Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be and His infinite wisdom exceeds us so vast, so far that he can dumb down even the smartest guys in the room, okay? Now, David had a major problem going on, doesn't he? Everything, everything's looking bad, and there was nothing he could do about it himself. I know you've been in a spot like that. Everything's caving in. All your best, biggest guns are gone. They, they're leaving. What do you do? There's nothing you can do. Yes, there is. You can pray. You can pray about it. He turned it over to, to the Lord. Lord, I can't do anything here, but I leave it all in your hands. Mess up Absalom. He prayed for Absalom to get bad counsel. That's quite a prayer. You know, that's kind of an odd prayer, but it's a good prayer. Second Samuel fifteen thirty two. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God. There was Hushai. Am I saying that right? I'm a Texas redneck. Just roll with me. There is Hushai. Hushai. Hushai? Hush. Hush, whatever. Hush and just listen to me. I'm going to say what I'm going to say, so hush. There was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, with you there? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Indeed, they have there with them their sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them, you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city and Absalom came into Jerusalem. You know, I just want you to notice the double one-two punch that David's prayer returned back. He prayed, Lord, make Ahithophel's counsel bad, and then he gets this guy Hushai, Hushai, whoever, (laughs) that he is also going to send to double up the foolishness of Ahithophel's Advice. I'm having trouble with names today. Okay, it's just my just it's just me. Bear with me. So he gets this this second guy. It's like he prayed for it. Then this other guy shows up and he goes, "Hey, go defeat his counsel also." So not only did he pray against Ahithophel's counsel, but he's got a guy going back there to put more pressure on the council. I just find that amazing. So I want to ask you a question: Do you believe in answered prayer? <laughs> well, look at what David did. He prayed, and suddenly, when they got to the top of the mountain, there's Hushai. He's ready to help. Now, the Lord is working for the covenant he gave to David. He's going to hold up his promises. 
But here's the thing about that. Being under covenant does not mean you're going to be free from trouble. There's a lot of people that say, if you'll just get saved by Jesus, he'll make everything better and everything will be okay. That's not true. David is under covenant and he's got trouble, doesn't he? So that's just the way it goes sometimes. But God gets you through the trouble, but God refines you through the trouble. It's like working out. You're not going to get them big Arnold Schwarzenegger muscles like I almost have unless you go to the gym and hurt them muscles a little bit. Trial hurts, but it does strengthen you. It refines you. So here comes Absalom to take David out. And notice how David did not stand his ground to fight. Now, that sounds like something, sounds like something David would have done because he faced Goliath, right? Why didn't David stand up against Absalom? I mean, why didn't he face him like he did Goliath? Because Absalom is his own son. But David does love him. Absalom is David's son. We really need to keep that in mind here. They have a weird relationship, I know, but David does love him. There is an element of love in this, and it's very important to this lesson today. Love is becoming a very lost trait these days. In the end times, the love of many will grow cold. People just don't love each other anymore. If David had no love for Absalom, then he would have gone to war with Absalom and took him out. It was the same thing like with King Saul. David refused to touch him. He would not harm Saul. And the reason for it is because David loved God, therefore he loved God's anointed. If God chose him and I love God, then I got to love him too. So David would not touch him. Same deal with Absalom. He's not going to harm him. And so the reason that David left town was not only to protect his own people from harm, but because he loves him. He loves his son Absalom. Something we need to get a hold of in Romans 12:18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so this is how David has handled Saul. This is how he's going to handle Absalom here. He didn't get ready to fight him. He didn't say, okay, guys, get all your, your gear together and let's go fight. Why? Because he loves him. How you handle people in the face of hostility, because I know you got people after you. How you handle them is going to demonstrate whether you love them or not. If you go to war with them, you don't love them. If you will try to work it out, you'll try to reconcile, try to make amends, ask forgiveness, whatever you can do, as long as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's what the Bible says. The peacemakers are sons of God, right? Not the war makers. And so this is how David's handling it. Those who lack love, if you'll notice, they're always the first ones that want to fight everything out. They want to fight about everything and argue and cut everybody down. They don't love. And that's the problem with people today. They fight about everything. They're learning it from the TV set, movies, and these crazy reality shows where you got all these people bickering at each other. They're learning not to love people. They're learning to hate them. They're learning to criticize and cut down and find fault. And I'm I'm better than you. It's just like Absalom. Oh, if I were judge, oh, I could be better king than you. It's the same attitude, okay? David would not hold that same attitude. David never went for revolution. Absalom is. There's a love problem going on here. But David has love. And God's word says, if it depends on you, you don't fight. Basically, do everything you can to live peaceably with those who agree with you. That's not what the scripture says. It says to be live peaceably with all men, all men. And the chances are that if you're in a fight with somebody, it's because you threw your hat in the ring with them. Don't throw your hat in the ring with them. 
Do not engage them. If they want to fight, don't speak their language. You speak the God language of love. Don't speak the language of Satan, of fighting and arguing and criticizing. Don't don't speak their language. You're the believer. You do right, okay? And so refusing to fight with everybody doesn't make you a pushover. That's something that I had a hard time learning when I became a believer. I used to think, well, you know, if if I'm going to let everybody just walk all over me and be a doormat, that's not what that means. David left Jerusalem, not because he's a pushover. This is the guy that killed Goliath when nobody else would dare do it, okay? He's no pushover. He's tough. David left Jerusalem to avoid conflict as long as it depends on you. As long as it depended on David, keep the peace. So he left so there would be no conflict, and it was for the protection of his people. His men said, whatever you command, I'm, we're ready to do it. Now, you can just hear the tone in their voice that it says, we're ready to fight. But then right after it says, David went out. We're ready, whatever you command. David goes, okay, good. Come on, let's go. Wait a minute. I, we meant we want to fight, David. <laughs> and then he just leaves. It doesn't make you a pushover when you pray. That's what David did. You know, my favorite uh, rock group, a Christian rock group uh, called Petra, I just saw them recently in concert. It was so cool. They have a song called Get On Your Knees and Fight Like a Man. David's doing that. He's praying. That's real fighting fighting right there, guys. That's real fighting. So no, you're not a pushover when you pray. David prayed specifically, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel, the wisest, most trusted guy in town in all of Israel, turn his counsel into foolishness, dumb down the smartest guy in Israel. And immediately after he prayed that, he bumped into Hushai. And in the next chapter, Absalom is going to take Hushai's advice instead of the advice of Ahithophel. Okay? You see what prayer does? That's real fighting. If you want to fight right, you want to to fight like a real man, like a man of God or a woman of God, what you need to do is you need to pray for them. Pray for them. That's what David did. It is not our job as believers to obliterate everybody to smithereens that comes against us. You got to pray for people. And the Lord can thwart their plans by using their own aggression against them. I know there's certain kinds of martial arts where if somebody throws a punch at you, instead of trying to hit them, you take their force and you manipulate it with weak points and whatever and leverage and all that. You're actually using their aggression against them so that the power of their own downfall comes out of them instead of you, okay? When you pray, you're using their aggression to work back against them. Every effort they make, every move they make counts against them, not you. That's why you pray. It's a much better way to fight, okay? Now, David was in a bad spot and all the odds were stacked against him, but because of his love, for his enemy, you could call him that. Absalom at this point was his enemy. He didn't hate him. He loved his enemy. Jesus said, I tell you to love your enemies, but David prayed against the odds. He prayed against Absalom's anarchy, and the Lord worked to direct David's path. That's key here. David's prayer is going to stop Absalom's aggression because he also got directed to men who were going to help that prayer come around. We all live in an Absalom's world today, don't we? It really bites. I know you look at it and it scares you and you're concerned about it. And it's it's like a reason to be like David and covered your head and weep and walk barefoot as he was doing to show his despair. 
there's a lot of deception going on because people use manipulation. Think of what Absalom did to redirect people. He, he used manipulation and lying like they do today to try to get more people on their side. But they have no love, and they even go so far as to pervert justice just so they could get more people to help them take over. To join my big cause, they're going to pervert justice. When Christians partake of such divisive, argumentative conduct, then they end up being hostile to God's own covenant people who are just trying to live in peace. Our responsibility as believers in Jesus is to live peaceably with all men. Republican, you've got to start loving Democrats. Democrat, you got to start loving Republicans. Yeah, but I would if that with all men. Yeah, but they're the ones that, with all men. Come on, guys. David could have said, yeah, but Absalom's the one that, you hear what I'm saying? Live peaceably with all men. Now, unless somebody kicks your door down one night and charges in through your house and comes at you with a gun and a baseball bat saying, I'm going to kill you, it says you should do everything as long as it depends on you. As long You should do everything absolutely possible to stay out of argument, to stay out of the conflict that's going on out there. Because when you get into fights, what you are doing is you are distracting people from bringing their case to the king. Remember what Absalom did. Oh, no, no, he has no deputy. Bring it to me. Come on, I'll deal with it. When you get into fights with people, you've got other unbelievers out there. They've got a case that they need to bring to the king. Their case is called sin. They need forgiveness. They need reconciliation. They need relationship back with the Lord. They need to bring their case to the king. And when you, the Christian, I'm under the king, I'm under the king, you getting into fights with everybody, they will look at you and they will say, if this is who your Lord is, I don't want him. You just distracted somebody from bringing their case to the king. Don't do that. You need to show people who Jesus is. Show them who your Lord is. Your behavior should never, ever block anybody's view of seeing King Jesus. Your behavior, your conduct should never block anybody from seeing the love of Christ because they should say, I see the love of Christ in you. I want it. I want to come to that. I want to have that myself in my life. And then they will bring their case to the king. Don't distract them away from coming to the Lord by acting like a knucklehead. Don't do it. Everything you do in your life, you keep the peace. Even if you have to bite your tongue clean in two, (laughs) if you've got to do, if it takes everything you've got, Grace gives you self-composure. It gives you self-control. Use it. It's a God-given gift. Use it and show everyone who King Jesus is. Don't block their view. Don't block them from bringing their case to Messiah Jesus. Don't manipulate and thwart justice and say, I'm better than the king. Oh, Jesus set this one out. I'm going to deal with this myself my way. Then you're acting like Absalom. Oh, if I were the judge, oh, if I was the one making the rules, I could do a better job. Don't do that. But when people think like Absalom, oh, I should be the judge, it always ends up turning into a fight. You ever notice that? I can do better. If I were the boss, then they act like the boss and it gets in a fight with somebody. And that results in the persecution of God's people because God's people want to live in peace. 
So when you find yourself pushed up against a wall and everything's coming at you and you ask, so how am I supposed to counter all this mess if I'm supposed to be the one keeping the peace? They're the ones coming at me. They're the ones being hostile. They're the ones that starting it. They're the ones coming at me. Here's what you do. You pray. Praying is your chance to say, Lord, this is not my fight. This is yours. Take it. I trust you with it. Lord, please deal with it. It is past my ability. It's past me. I can't take it on myself. Lord, you deal with it. Now, I know that the world scares you out there, but have you noticed how dumb the decisions are that's being made? Like you see the governments and the leaders out there making these crazy, idiotic decisions, and you just look at them and go, what in the world are they doing? Why should that worry us if we're going to pray like David did? How did David pray? He said, Lord, turn their counsel into foolishness. Turn their counsel into foolishness. So you've seen them making stupid mistakes out there, well, mistakes, making bad decisions. Some political guy did this. What in the world is he thinking? Or some group over here did this. That's crazy. What are they doing? What they're doing is they're demonstrating that the Lord has turned their counsel into foolishness and their aggression that you're scared of is actually working against them to take them down. Trust the Lord with it, guys. He's working. That's why they're doing dumb things. They're reacting by sin, not by righteousness. It's damaging. God is going to take them down and destroy their agenda. Have faith in that, okay? There's a good way to look at this in 1 Corinthians 1.18. says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So guys, I mean, I take comfort. I see a dumb thing go on out there. I'm like, oh, that must be the Lord (laughs) destroying their wisdom. (laughs) You know, when you see the Absaloms of the world out there doing foolish things, And you wonder, what is the world coming to? What is this mess? Don't be worried about it. I want you to be glad about it, because chances are that's evidence that the Lord is destroying their wisdom. You know he's working to take them down when they act like that. It's the Lord using their own efforts and their own work, their own energy, against them to bring their crazy agenda that they think is so wise and proper, he's going to bring it to nothing, okay? We have got to keep ourselves from distracting people away from the king. We need to bring them to the king. And how you do that is you show them how Jesus would do it, the peacemaker, the forgiver, the prayer guy. You need to pray. You need to love. It makes you handle people entirely different than you would and if you were to hate them. And we don't need to go to war with them because our war is not with them. They are not the enemy. Those people that are all over you, they're not the enemy. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. Of wickedness in the heavenly places. Friends, our war is not with people. Don't go to war with people. Don't do that. Don't block their view. Our war is with the spiritual forces of evil, not with other people. Don't fight with them. They're under the influence of people. They're a victim right now. They need to see Jesus and bring their case to him. 
to be reconciled and fixed and restored and refreshed, then they'll get it. Then they'll have the same love for you that you would first show to them. But they are not the enemy. And it doesn't matter how many more numbers they have on their side. I know you see how big and bad it's getting out there and it scares you. It doesn't matter how many they've got. It doesn't matter. Let the Lord deal with them. Don't be an Absalom. Don't play deputy and jump in the way and say, here, I'm going to deal with it. It's not your job. David's thinking, if I'm to come back, the covenant will hold, then the Lord will bring me back. Okay, he remembered his covenant. He didn't fight. He was acting out of love. Don't forget the covenant you're in. Just remember your covenant with Jesus, okay? David was under covenant promise. God is not going to ever allow any covenant promise to fall to the ground. Absalom is not going to take away the kingdom. And guess what, friends? If you're under covenant with Jesus, nobody will ever steal that from you. Matthew 5.43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. If you will love people like this, then every now and then you'll come across a person like the Philistine Ittai, someone who will leave their own people to pledge loyalty to the Lord, and they will walk, want to walk with you. Wouldn't that be great? Some of these people who were your enemies, that they would want to desire to walk under kingdom covenant because they see it in you. So can you pray for the Lord to confuse the counsel of the wicked? Well, David did. It's kind of an odd prayer, but it does work. And every move that Absalom is going to make from here on out is going to count against him. And so if you're going to pray the same prayer, then you better be ready to trust in it too, that the Lord can use all their aggression against them so that whenever they make a move, You don't need to be worried about what everybody else is doing. Don't get all freaked out and scared, especially when all these big groups make all these dumb decisions out there. That's just proof the Lord's dumbing down their wisdom, right? It may be very well that all the moves they make are exactly what God has set up to stop them with. You hear me? Isn't that good? Trust in the Lord and let him deal with it. Psalm 34 and 8, blessed is the man who trusts in him. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you want to know, Ray, how do I be saved? Romans 10.9 says that if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a covenant promise that no one can take away from you. Problem is we're all sinners. We fight. We go nuts on everything. But the Lord wants to forgive you of that. And here's how you become saved. Father, I have sinned. Forgive me, Lord. I blew the whole thing. I messed it all up and I turn my life over to you. I want that peace. I turn it all over to you. Thank you for paying for my death penalty for me so that I could be saved. I turn my life over to you. You are Lord. You're the boss. I will pursue you and pursue to obey what you command. I will read your word. I will assemble with the body of believers. I will study your word. Forgive me for my past sins, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you gave your life to the Lord, I'd like to hear about it just because it encourages me. If you go to setforliferadio.com, send me a message and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Be blessed in Messiah Jesus. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.